You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Welcome back to Faith and Fostering. It's great to have you with us again today. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, then I suggest you go back and have a listen to it as that's going to set you up for the discussion that's about to start. For those of you who have, let's launch in with part two of this interview. Welcome back. We're chatting to Kirsty, who is, um, yeah, been in this foster care space for a number of years, raised um, five children. Is that right, Kirsty, of her own? And then, yes. I've, raised, I've got four <laughs> biological children. That's it. That's and it. Then, and then one now that we're raising, but I feel like there's been multiple ones we've we've raised in there or, or uh, spoken into their lives, yes. <laughs> That's right, and lots and lots of babies in and out and just kind of unpackaging some of the, I guess, the highs and the lows that come with that kind of space. And um, as probably our listeners know, there are lots of that. So when things started to go in a direction where you were thinking oh my goodness this isn't what we expected like you were talking about you know two young ladies little girls that you had for a significant amount of time and then not um seeing that journey go on those are really um emotionally draining physically draining um kind of deviations on the roller coaster and how um yeah how did you pivot in those places what has helped you um, I think when when you realise things are not going the way that you had hoped, there's a whole manner of feelings. Um, and when we when we were getting really close to the to the first, so the sisters that we had, when we were getting really close to the first one, the first placement breaking down, which was three and a half years in, mm. there was this six month period that we had. We had said to the department, if we if we cannot if we cannot see any movement here in the next six months, we are going to have to call this because mm-hmm. we we just could see that we were going with her sister. We were kind of taking a few steps forward, a few steps back, and you expect that. But with her, we were just going in circles, and we felt like we were we had exhausted so many strategies and so many different. Um, ways of trying to help her and just break through and nothing was working. Um, and so I think initially when you realise that the, that the plan is changing path, it's quite devastating. And yeah. you don't want it, like I would I would kind of go, no, we're done, we're done, and then something would happen and I'd go, no, but we can't give up on her. And I think that feeling um, of not ever wanting to give up on a child is huge. Yes. Um and then that's balanced out by the fact that when you actually go, okay, this placement is done, we cannot do it, is then these people around you who are going, why would you give up on a child? And you yeah. and you kind of go, I used to say to people, you can't say anything, anything that's going to make me feel any worse than I already feel. Yeah. Um, but we also knew at, at that time um, the ending of, of, the, of the two sisters ended completely differently like, um, the first one was a very deliberate, conscious decision that this we had taken this as far as we could. Yeah. And I think I was also thinking about this last night because I've walked through placement breakdowns with with several people. And I I think people often say, oh, but 
you're giving up on a child and, and, you know, you came into this knowing it would be hard and now what's the hope for this child if this child ends up in a residential facility? And, and yet I actually think that giving up a placement is one of the bravest things that you can do because I've said many times to people I feel like fostering, it's definitely a marathon. Yeah. Sometimes for some of these really troubled children it's a relay marathon. And sometimes I think you need to recognise as a family, as a single person, whatever situation you're in as a foster carer, but sometimes you actually need to stop and recognise that you have reached the point where you have taken this child as far as you possibly can. Mm. And if you continue to keep that child in your home, you're potentially going to do more more damage to the child. You're going to do damage to yourself and potentially then damage to your family members as well. Yeah. Um, and And then... So with our first one, it was very calculated in terms of like there was there was a plan. We had said six months if there's – we weren't looking for massive, massive things. We were just yes. looking for some small change and in the end we had to call that. With the second one, there was actually an incident where um, where basically for safety reasons she needed to be removed from the home. And yeah. so that – both of those – I think the second one was harder for me to deal with because – there was not that feeling of like we're done yet. Yeah. And yet we needed to be done because of this for the safety of the rest of our family. Um, yeah. And yet I also feel very sad when I hear carers talk about the unsafe things that are happening in their homes and they've got other children in the house, biological children, foster children. I mean, at that stage we had um, we had one grandchild who was about a year old and then we also had the child who now is with us long term and so their safety was at risk as well um yeah it wasn't just you know so and and I do I feel sad when I hear carers say oh you know yeah I have to take that child away and to keep everyone else safe or you know and sometimes Mm. I think we actually have to be brave and go this is actually not working and it's yeah. not good for anyone. Yeah. Um, I know for me after the second after the second sister left, I my mental health, that's when I actually realised how much damage had been done to my mental health. And, again, I don't think as foster carers we understand at times mm. the depth of damage that happens to us because we carry so much of this for these children. Um, yeah. And it took me a good kind of I took, my time, I took a lot of time, I started walking and I um, needed to get my physical health back but my mental health was most important um, and yeah. I think I think I needed to really process and unpack a lot of what had happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's big, isn't it? And that's why, and I mean, that kind of leads us into that next space of, you know, you've created a space um, online for carers, mm-hmm. um, particularly for Christian carers, because I think these are the things that we do need to be talking about. We don't, yeah. we're, we're not, we're going on, yes, unique journeys with each unique child, but similar, similar challenges that we're facing, similar you know, um, yeah, difficulties and like you say, you know, your mental health and all of those things that come into play. And so um, you were sort of saying to me earlier that when you first stepped in, you were like, oh, well, who else is writing about this from an Australian point of view? Mm -hmm. And, um, And so how have you found that space encourage you? How have you heard back that it's encouraged others? 
Um, yeah, it's exactly that. When I I actually initially started blogging and I blogged as a way of processing my my own well, not my well, I suppose my trauma, the vicarious yeah. trauma, and blogging, yep. and it was probably the blogging that that helped to um, save some of my mental health um, yeah. throughout the process of living with these girls because I'd often display it out there and and kind of do that. And then I think the Facebook group came as a follow on. Uh, I honestly, I didn't actually start the group. I okay. ended up I some and now I cannot remember who started the group but <laughs> it, but they were stepping out of that space and asked yeah. if there was anybody that would be happy to take on the admin and I kind of thought oh yeah I okay. can do that that's pretty yeah. easy yeah yeah <laughs> um, and it is it's a and it's and what I like is I was I was parts of other groups um, online groups um, and I think for foster carers online groups are are really helpful because they're mm. they're quick links to resources and you know I'm on I'm on a um, state-based group that I'm at you're able to kind of hear what's happening in South Australia and find out the latest policies and legislation and all sorts of things and as well as then being able to walk through things with people but yeah. the the um, the Christian foster group for me is a greater place to be able to share that faith and to be able to say yes we're foster carers but there's also another link that we all have um, yeah. and and I think that that kind of I, I really like that space. I like that space. Um, yes, I like that group. I try to, um, you know, we try to keep that group encouraging and helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah that's certainly been my experience of it. Yeah, and we and it, it is fairly like you know I have been accused at times of I shut down a conversation once about something and people said oh we're being we're being monitored or and I kind of went yeah but you know there are times where the, some of those conversations are not actually helpful and Correct. they're not they just end up creating um disharmony yeah and that's not saying people can't have a voice yeah. um but I think the point of this group is about encouragement and it's about saying we're all in this together and it is really hard slog yes um and so how can we support each other how can we share information that we know um and so yeah I've um I mean there's times when I'm not overly present in the group and I and I feel like you know um I've tried to kind of increase that at times but that's life sometimes yeah. life is busy yeah um I guess being being the admin of that group has allowed me to walk side by side with people who've done who've gone through similar things uh I know I've had people message me and ask me for a link to a blog that they had remembered reading of mine at a particular crisis point and can and can they share that with somebody else uh, so and so yeah and and you know I'm always happy to share that I mean it's out in a public space anyway but and then and then there's other people that you know are just really struggling and so being able to chat to them privately and and hopefully give them um some advice and some help and just I think just to be at the other end um, of the computer sometimes and people knowing that there's someone there that's already walked through this or yeah you know yeah um, I think that is so valuable and often I think within foster care it is a space that you know until you're in it you it's hard to talk into it. So obviously you've got kind of professionals mm. who are talking into particular niche areas and skills, but actually being a foster carer, it is valuable 
to be able to um, link with another foster carer and then, like you say, another foster carer with faith because that just brings another layer of um, perspective to how we see things, how we process things. Um, And just going back a couple steps where you were sort of going, okay, I've got to, um, you know, get back on top of my mental health, my physical health. What were some things that you found helpful and what are things that you now encourage others with when they find themselves in that place where they just are at the bottom and coming out of a situation that they just never expected? Uh, I always say to people, you actually need to be really kind to yourself Mm. and you need to, it's, it's in some ways, and I, and I don't want to minimize when people lose a loved one, you know, through death, I I kind of, and I, I, and, you know, I've had friends who've, who've lost their, their loved ones. And I think, I don't want to minimize that, but it is akin to that. It is Mm. that, that grief is, um, there is, but it's, it, there's, it's a different kind of grief because you actually know that, that that person is still out there. Yeah. But you're no longer part of their life. You're no longer part of what's happening to them. So there's kind of, it's not, it's not finite, I suppose. Yeah. And so part of that grief is that you, like I grieved for both of our girls when they left and I still will think about them as anyone does when they're working through grief. Of and I will, I will kind of go, oh, it's their birthday today or, um, you know, this is happening today. You remember all those, you remember those moments and sometimes you remember the, the really hard times and sometimes you remember the great times. Um, you know, I'll stumble across photos of them occasionally and you just go, oh, my gosh, I remember that time and they were so little and gorgeous and, you know. Um, and... One of the things I found surprising is that when when our girls left, we said we wanted to keep in contact with them. We'd been a significant part of their, both their lives. Yeah. Um, for we had done a lot of attachment work with them. We we made um, steps forward in helping them to deal with some of their trauma and process some of their trauma. And so we, we and you know we had a psychologist working with us saying build that connection with them. That's really important. They need to learn to trust people. And then they leave us, and that's it. Oh because goodness. the department says, oh, no, it's not in their best interest to keep seeing you. Oh. So that's heartbreaking because you go, well, actually, we really wanted, we said to them, we just wanted to catch up with them every school holidays. Can we just see them? We'll just, you know, just like you would family contact. Yeah. Take them out for a milkshake. How's life going? I find the most amazing thing that happened this year for me in that um, the one of them actually reached out to me for the first time oh, wow. since leaving care and that, kind of blew my mind a bit and it also just reminded me that God's got this so um I like she just randomly called me and I said where did you get my number and she goes I remembered it she remembered it from when she was here she must have written it down um you know so I think that what I try to say to other people is this is not the end of the story we think it is and and you've got to work through your grief and you've got to come to a place where you're where you're um accepting of that I've often said to people, don't be afraid to get cranky with God because yep. he can take it. And I think we see that in the Psalms. Yeah. You know, people poured out their uh, annoyance with God. And I there were times when, you know, I would actually do that and just go, this really is not okay. 
and yeah. uh, and why did and uh, why I used to often say to them, why would you put us through this? Um, and so I think I how I try to support people going through this is say, well, yeah, allow yourself to work through all those stages of grief. It is it is you know we know about grief, we know about stages of grief. Fostering grief is no different. Um, yeah, except that the person's still out there, and you generally know that. And then, and then look after your mental health in terms of um, sometimes, like I'm a, I'm a very big reader and so I will often recommend books I've read that I found really helpful. doesn't mean it's going to be helpful for someone else but yeah. um, I found walking incredibly helpful for me and listening either to music, listening to um, podcasts, listening to, so listening to whatever it is that's going to help you. I think, and I think the biggest and most important thing is talking about it. Yeah. And when you talk, I mean, I've never lost anyone that's really, really significant in my life. Um, yeah. I, I have, and so, but you hear people say that, you know, when someone initially dies, everyone talks about them and, and there's all that talk and then it just gradually dies off where, you know, nobody mentions them, but you're still sitting there in your grief. And so I think being able to say to people, it's okay to talk about this a year down the track, two years down the track. Yeah. Um, You know, I still had, there was one day, I think it was about two, maybe two to three years after the girls had, after the last one had left, I just had this day and it just hit me and I just felt awful all day. And I think also recognising that and going, it's okay. I'm, you know, I'm allowed to do this. Then in our case, also checking in with all of our kids and making sure that they were travelling through this okay um, and now being willing to unpack things with our with our son and, you know, if the others come to points in their lives. Um, yeah, I think, I think really the biggest thing is just listening to people, being able to hear people's stories and, and the impact of that child and not discounting it, not kind of the... I think I said before the guilt that I felt was horrendous, you yeah. know, and and people used to some people used to understand that, but there'd be some people who have no understanding, um, and would would kind of just think that I must have been the worst person on the face of the earth to give up on a child. And so, I guess for me, what I try to say to other carers is you've you've done a really brave thing in in recognizing that you have taken this child as far as you can go. Yeah, yeah, and that's so good. Trying to be supportive, not trying to go. Well, if you'd done this or you'd done that, because you know, you you just can't, can <laughs> you? It's so unique. And I mean, for you, I love that you've been able to adapt. And you know, that story didn't go um, as you thought it would, but that didn't mean that you were like, okay, that's it. We're not ever doing this again. We're not stepping back. That you were actually yeah. able to look at parts and go, well we can do this, this is working, we can move this on here, we've got these skills here. like, And yes. I just think that's really resilient um, and, yeah, beautiful. And it, it continues, like it's not, like you say, when you close the door here, it doesn't mean that's it, you failed, you can't do it again. It's not yeah. actually failure. It's actually just no. part of the whole storyline, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I look at um, I look at our little one that now is in our home and she just turned seven last week. <clears throat> and sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a job, you know. I really do because I look at her and 
I almost feel guilty saying I'm a foster carer now because in she is she is nothing like the the type of children that we expect to come through foster care. She is an absolutely unique human being. Um, she's got trauma, yes, but she has got an incredible way of processing that and it doesn't actually rule her life. And I think for us we went from the absolute highest extreme of children to then a child who has had minimal um, mm. trauma again not minimizing trauma because trauma yes. is trauma and it yes. and it affects everybody differently but i just look at her sometimes and go she like she just has an absolute joy for life and she is an absolute joy to us yeah uh, and sometimes i kind of go we had to go through this entire journey to get to her yeah but god knew that god knew yeah. that before we knew that and um and actually um, I want to share this because this is. We, I was saying to um, my husband last night as I went to sleep. There was this very poignant moment with um, our first sisters who came in. They, so they were four and five when they arrived, and the five-year-old was very intuitive and very clever. And I said to her, I reckon she might have been about. It might have been within that first year of her moving in with us. I was talking to her about um, Psalm one hundred and thirty-nine and how God made you and he knows you and he holds you and and I told and kind of I talked to her about Psalm 139 and she said to me a bit later she goes you know what she said if God she said God allowed those things to happen to me no if God had if those things hadn't have happened to me when I was a when I was a young child she said I never would have come into foster care and she said I never would have come to you and I never would have learned about God. Mm. And I was quite floored by that because I know what she's been through and it's horrendous. And I kind of go, that made me feel very sad that she had to go through that in order to come to us. But also recognising that that may have been why she came to us, to learn that part, and now she's gone on to learn other things from other people. Um, and so I look at our little, our little seven-year-old and I think, you know, God knew she was coming he yeah. knew that she was going to be in our family right right from before she was formed yeah. um and we often say to her that when she arrived in this house she knew she was home she had this she just had this uh look about her this way about her and we weren't ever thinking about that because she wasn't she wasn't going to be here forever, but she yeah. knew and she just had to wait for everyone else to catch up with the, with the plan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I am actually really excited to see what her life's going to be like because I, I actually think God's got something pretty amazing for her to do. She's, she's an extraordinary human being and, and I feel great privilege that we get to be part of that, part of that life of hers now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so good. And I think, you know, that kind of brings us, yeah, full circle. I think it's a good spot to kind of wrap up in that, yes, we definitely don't know all the reasons now. We definitely don't get the full picture. We don't get the end of the story. And we just do the best that we can with the, the power of God that we have in yeah. the storyline <laughs> that he puts us. And that's that's all we can do. And um, it's been really good to hear your story, Kirsty. And I think... Hopefully for people it's um, both encouraging and liberating that 
Um, we aren't God. <laughs> we can't. We can't do what He can do, but um, but we do get to play a part. And and I just love too that um, yeah. I think the more we can help each other navigate that guilt and that shame that actually keeps us trapped, and actually go, you know, that's not where God wants you to be. No matter yeah what you think you could have or couldn't have done or should or shouldn't have done if that um totally gets you off track that's not god's plan like yeah. for you in your mental health or your family like his he is the god of restoration and he will write the story and i think it's it's wise to be able to go this is as far as we can go here mm-hmm. um and and let that's that's really that trusting it is releasing that back into god's hands and going okay i've done i've yep. done what i could here and it's you know your god it's up to you and whatever you're going to do and i can pray and you know we can talk to people but yeah this is this is where we are and then to be able to release that and then god's that does yeah he continues to take you on journeys over and over again where yep. you put up your hand and go yes okay here we go. Yeah. And it's um it's great. And I just think, yeah, I would love to at some point again get you back on. I just think you have so <laughs> much wisdom, Kirsty, and so much um just things that you have seen and learned and been able to continue to sow into the lives of vulnerable children in Australia. So thank you so much for your time. Thank and you. Thank you so much for stepping into hard places and you and your husband and your children and um, and continuing to be a safe place. And, um, yeah, it's just been a delight. Brilliant. Thanks. All right. And remember, until next time, every child deserves a family.